You know, Jackie, kalokohan lang naman yung mga trustful na yun eh. Like, I don't believe that it does anything to help me feel better about my office mates. Well, yeah, that's warranted, I guess, based on your own experience. But there can be some activities like a trust fall where they would be meaningful and helpful to some teams. We've seen some of that. Kailangan mo ba ng mas makabuluhang chismisan sa pantry? Listen to more conversations about work, both hot takes and thoughtful takes with me, Carl Javier, and Jackie Caniza on The Imaginable Workplace. Check it out on Spotify and wherever else you listen to podcasts. It's been 48 years, nearly half a century, since the late dictator Ferdinand Marcos placed the entire Philippines under martial law. What have we learned? Have we forgotten? And we need to ask also, how is the press holding up during this lockdown? Mula po sa Quezon City, ako si Robbie Alampay, Puma Podcast. At ako si Inday Espino Verona. It's September 21. Itong teka-teka, balita para sa mga huli sa balita. Teka Teka, before we proceed with this newscast, just a reminder, if you're listening to Teka Teka, chances are you're aware of Puma Podcast. And if you're a follower of Puma Podcast, please be aware we have now put Teka Teka on its own channel. So if you are a news junkie and gusto niya lang mag-concentrate sa mga newscast na ginagawa natin, you can follow Teka Teka on Spotify, Anchor, Google, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. So you can still follow Puma Podcast for all the different podcasts we're doing, but you can also follow Teka Teka. Rob, 48 years na pala since the declaration of martial law, ang dami na nangyari sa panahon na yan. And yet, so many things also seem to remain the same. Totoo yan, Inday. For one thing, we remember there was that move to make the birthday of Marcos a holiday, at least in Ilocos Norte. Nailipat yung bangkay niya sa bantayog ng mga bayani, despite all controversy and all protests. But despite the nearly half century, we say it's a short time because the people who experienced martial law are still around. You and I were alive when it happened. I was in grade school. I was in grade three when it happened. And one day... I woke up and discovered there were no newspapers and the TV was going zzzz. Now, there are a lot of factors that contribute to the false narrative that has been circulating around martial law. Kaya sinasabi na parang nakalimot na ba tayo, no? But part of it is really fake news that we've been getting on social media. And also, probably the way martial law is being taught in school. But the most concerning part is this phenomenon called martial law nostalgia. Siege Tantenko, host of our history podcast, What's App, was precisely looking into these questions. Hi, Robbie and Inday. Through the years, the narrative of martial law has been watered down and changed even. Some members of the younger generation and even the generation who has lived through it would sometimes refer to it as the golden age of the Philippine economy. In that alternative narrative... Ferdinand Marcos was merely a misunderstood hero, someone who was harsh but got the job done. But more troubling than the rewriting of history is this sort of 
wanting and nostalgia for that brand of authoritarian rule and dictatorship. I talked to attorney Ross Tugade. She's a human rights lawyer who teaches at the UP College of Law, who has co-written a paper about martial law nostalgia. The paper suggests a memory law prohibiting the denial of atrocities committed during the Marcos regime. What we have called martial law nostalgia in our study, uh, it's an observable recent social phenomenon where there seems to be a resurgence of positive sentiment for the dictatorship of Ferdinand Marcos. It's as if the brutal years of martial law have suddenly been erased from history and are seen in rose-tinted lenses. For the younger people in the Philippines, especially the millennials and the Gen Zs, who are steered into thinking that martial law was the golden era of the Philippines, I think it's about being misled outright with false information and lies. I said that this phenomenon of martial law nostalgia is quite recent, but I think it's only so because the lies have been accelerated through social media. Go on YouTube and you'll find countless videos claiming that the Marcuses have no ill-gotten wealth. Researchers have found that various pro-Marcus Facebook groups post identical content, as if this content was coordinated. On social media, where anybody can be a publisher, it can be hard to separate fact from fiction. And so I asked Attorney Ross, what went wrong? On the legal front, what the state did after 1986 was adequate enough. Number one, we created a constitution that was visibly and apparently anti-dictatorship in its tone and in its spirit. In terms of the legal architecture to address the legacy of martial law, hindi nagkulang yung batas. I think yung pagkukulang is with other social institutions. For example, I studied in a public school during my elementary and high school days. I remember the textbook saying that the achievements of President Marcos were the building of different infrastructures such as the San Juanico Bridge or the Cultural Center of the Philippines. That was the fact that was found in our public school-issued textbook. And then... As an impressionable young kid, you would think that because the textbook says so, this is the true state of history, but that isn't the case. Of course, social memory is shaped not just by the state, but by the people at large. So in a sense, it becomes a form of state acknowledgement of past wrongs or past abuses. So an example of this is in the European Union, there are countries which prohibit Holocaust denial. And not only that, they outrightly ban the symbols associated with the Nazi regime, such as the swastika. One of the main drivers to this false narrative of martial law is social media. Posts, videos, vlog guestings of the Marcoses, But people would argue, and even journalists would agree, that regulating content on social media is not the best way to go because opinions, no matter how wrong or how absurd, are protected speech. And this is where Attorney Ross draws the line. Because facts are facts. They are not protected speech in the same way opinions are. So if a person is not being factual and is in fact distorting the truth, then they would be lying. And something can be done about that. So what we argued in our paper is that 
in the Philippine context, there has to be a clarification first of what constitutes fact and what would otherwise be opinion. Because opinion would be protected, whereas lies or the reverse of historical fact would be unprotected. Because you have now victims, statements, narratives, which have been adjudicated by a quasi-judicial body saying that these are the facts that happened from 1972 to 1986. And the rejection of those facts would actually be unprotected speech. So that's something that we were trying to propose in the paper. That lies in the same way as libel is not protected speech. Lies regarding a historical fact would similarly be unprotected speech and should be the basis of liability. And we live in a time that we are divided more than ever as a society. So the task isn't so much as creating, for example, a shortcut through a law. I think it's about building institutions and a civic culture that has a bias for truth, that has a bias for justice, and has a bias for human rights. Just as Ross said that abuses don't happen in a vacuum, justice does not happen out of nowhere as well. Proseso ito, at may bahagi ang Estado maging ang mga mamamayan sa paggamit nito. Sabi nga ni Jose Rizal, ang hindi lumingon sa pinanggalingan, hindi makakarating sa paroroonan. The more we understand our history, the more prepared we'll be for our future. Listen to the WhatsApp Araling Panlipunan Rebooted Podcast on your podcast app for more stories on Philippine history. Maraming salamat, Sage Shantenka. Very important conversation. Usapang Econ also has an episode that puts into perspective the economy under Marcos. Here's an excerpt of that conversation between JC Punong Bayan and Mayan Vital. If you go back to the 1950s and 1960s, merong panahon na makikita mo sa datos na we were actually one of the richest countries in the ASEAN region. Pero simula noong 1960s and onwards, unti-unti tayong na-overtake ng ating regional neighbors. For example... Malaysia overtook us as early as the mid-1960s. Mm-hmm. And then Thailand in the mid-1980s. And then Indonesia in the late 1980s. Catch that episode of Usapang Econ on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen. Now here's another story that some of us might have missed last week. The European Parliament threatened to revoke the Philippines' trading privileges with the EU. Now, what does that mean? And can they actually do that? Mm, I mean, that's a very good question. One thing that people have to realize, the European Parliament is not the same as the EU. It's a mechanism that doesn't necessarily have full mandate. Certainly, the Parliament does not necessarily have sway over the national governments of the states that make up the EU. Nonetheless, the EU did adopt a resolution on the Philippines that touches on, among other things, governments' perceived attacks on media, including over Rappler, over ABS-CBN. The resolution does express, quote, deepest concern at the rapidly deteriorating human rights situation in the Philippines. Well, Certainly, the state of press freedom in this country is something we can talk about, no? We actually had a webinar with the University of Michigan Center for Southeast Asian Studies last week, and there was concern among other journalists and Ding Chao Jokno, human rights lawyer, 
and Kaloy Conde, who researches, of course, for Human Rights Watch, that it's not just creeping, but there are actual very heavy challenges that media faces right now, especially in the time of COVID. And we're not just talking about not being able to go around that much, but also how free is coverage when you can't see or you can't really even ask questions of the president who has this very unique way of giving out his thoughts unfiltered by passing media. And very few can question him. You could question the spokesman, but not really the president. And never mind that by the time it's released, the release of the statements and videos of his meetings are already quite late, very ungodly hours. Remember, even when the president would venture out into the provinces, we had issues as well of the Presidential Communications Operations Office editing and basically filtering his words, particularly his more controversial statements. The last time that happened, it was in fact in reference to government motives behind denying ABS-CBN its congressional franchise. Yes, that's right. Most of our news organizations are still operating, unlike, of course, martial law, when everything closed down, but they are very, very serious challenges. Now, of course, it is still COVID, so let's still talk about public health. This is not necessarily related to the coronavirus, but it does still emanate around China. As you might have heard, there is another outbreak. This time, it's a bacterial disease that has infected thousands. Joseph Quinones tells us more. Hi, Robbie. Hi, Indai. More than 3,000 people now infected in northeastern China because of this bacterial disease. This is according to the Health Commission of Lanzhou City, of course. The disease is called brucellosis, nakilala din bilang Malta fever o Mediterranean fever. Here's an excerpt from the Mayo Clinic. Brucellosis is a zoonotic disease, meaning that it's an infection that we get from an animal. Most commonly, people will get brucellosis by consumption of unpasteurized milk or milk products, such as raw milk or raw cheese. Uh, it can cause severe infections, including bloodstream infections, infections of the bone and the joint, and inc- also potentially infections of the heart. That was Dr. Pritish Tosh, courtesy of the Mayo Clinic News Network. It is not passed on from human to human, but it is airborne. And this is precisely how brucellosis spread in Gansu province in China. People were inhaling it in the air after a factory creating a brucellosis vaccine accidentally leaked bacteria. It turns out, yung ginamit nilang disinfectant at sanitizers ay expired na. Dahil hindi masyado napapatay ang bacteria, nagsimula itong mabuo bilang aerosols. Nadala ng hangin ang bacteria papunta sa Lanzhou Veterinary Research Institute and on December 2019, mahigit 180 na miyembro ng institute ang nagkabrucellosis na. Mula dito, kumalat na sa mga kalapit na school at communities. Since this started last year, bakit nababalita ito ngayon? Mostly because the Lanzhou City Health Commission released a bulletin to give an update on their investigation. Ang pag-report mula sa Health Commission ay kasama sa requirements ng investigation nila. They reported na they've tested more than 20,000 people at ang mga brucellosis patients ay may libring testing at standard treatment sa 11 public hospitals. Madalas, Ang mga pasyente ng brucellosis ay nakararanas ng lagnat, matinding sakit sa ulo, sakit sa joints, muscles o likod, 
o matinding pagkahapo. May mga sintomas din ito na hindi talaga nawawala, tulad ng arthritis, paulit-ulit na lagnat, o paglaki ng testicle o scrotum area na pwedeng maging sanhi ng pagkabaog. On the other hand, ang mga hayop na apektado ng brosilosis ay nakararanas ng ilang sintomas din, tulad ng bawas na milk production, pagbaba ng timbang, at pagkabaog. Maraming salamat. That was Josa Quinones. Josa is also producer of our new segment, COVID Corner. This week, she talks to Dr. DJ Bandoy about something you might have heard about, pool testing. What's that about? Ang sakit kasi yung COVID-19 ay kumakalat by droplet and lately by uh, aerosol enclosed spaces. So kung kayo ay nasa isang kwarto at gustong isurvey yung probability na merong isa na may sakit, pool testing will work that way. Catch COVID Corner on the Teka Teka channel wherever you listen. Now before we end, it's time once again in Dai. Kilala mo ba to? To make life a little better for people less fortunate than you. That's what I think a meaningful life is. One lives not just for oneself, but for one's community. She will certainly be missed. Friends, if you know what we're talking about, message us sa Teka Teka Facebook page. And in our last episode, nahulaan niya ba itong mystery sound? My uh, countrymen, as of the 21st of uh, this month, I signed Proclamation Number 1081, placing the entire Philippines under martial law. Yes, of course. That's Ferdinand Marcos, the late dictator. Follow our page, Teka Teka, for more news stories and Puma Podcast for more updates on our new podcast. Muli ako po si Robby Alampay. At ako si Inday Espina Baron. Teka Teka is available on Spotify, Anchor, Stitcher, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, or kung saan man kayo pumapodcast this episode. It was produced by our executive producer, Kat Ventura. It was edited by Mark Casillian. With reports from Siege Tantenko and Josa Quinones. Maraming salamat. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.